there are, are few, if, if any, passages in the Bible that have received as much attention, both from, from academic scholars and from, from pastoral uh, pastors and teachers, than this particular passage that we're going to look at. And what it has been called is the Christ hymn, where Paul writes, and it's in this well-worn passage that Paul tells us, Paul tells us about Jesus being in the form of God. But God took on the form of a, a man. It tells us about Jesus' obedience to God through the, the incarnation and through His crucifixion. It speaks of His exaltation by God. And it's in this passage that Paul admonishes the, the Philippian church to have the same mind be in you that is in Christ Jesus. And of course, this has been the message from preachers, from teachers, from, from church leaders to congregants for nearly two millennia. And it's in this very powerful very poetic hymn that we're able to grasp the, the Christology of Jesus. Very simply, Christology is understanding the, the person, the nature, and the, the role of Christ. And it's in this hymn that we, too, are called to transform our minds to transform our attitude to the heart of, of Jesus. And I can't think of a more fitting passage to focus on for this Easter morning. So let's read together, starting in Philippians 2, in verse 5. Paul writes, and he says, Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in human likeness and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Very simply, that's just called the Christ hymn. It's a very well-worn passage of Scripture. It's one that is read over and over and over again, and it's in these few verses that we understand so much about who Jesus was and, and what He did. Paul begins by, by telling the, the Philippians, and by telling us as well, that we need to take on the same mind, the same mindset, the same attitude of Christ. The mind or the attitude of Christ is laid out in what Paul 
calls his readers to as he walks them through this, this narrative. We see that Jesus, who was God, became a man. If you read the Gospel of John as it opens up, it reminds us that in the beginning was the Word. The Word is capitalized there, and that means Jesus when you see Word capitalized. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Yet Jesus didn't consider equality with God as something to be grasped, or as New Testament scholar Randy Harris puts it, he considered equality with God as something not to be greedily held on to. N.T. Wright states that the eternal Son of God, the one who became human in and as Jesus of Nazareth, regarded his equality with God as committing him to the course he took of becoming human, of becoming Israel's anointed representative, of dying under the weight of the world's evil. This is what it meant to be equal with God. We see that Jesus took on an additional nature, a human nature. When Jesus became a man, he didn't, he didn't lose his divine nature, but he took on a second nature, a human nature. We refer to this as the, the hypostatic union. In the process, he doesn't lose his divinity, but he chooses not to use it for his gain. And so it's in this, this Christ hymn that we read of him emptying himself by setting aside the privileges as God in order to take on the form of the servant. And then we find out what he did as that servant. Jesus was, was obedient. But he wasn't obedient in the way that, that we think of, you know, merely doing something that somebody asks of him or doing something that somebody told him to. It was much more. Because the price for obedience paid by Jesus was death. Jesus' obedience to his Father led him to a cross, yet this was not just any death. You see, one day you and I, we will die. And our life here on earth, our existence here on earth will come to an end. But when Jesus died, it did not end. When he died, he suffered the shame of the cross and he took on the, the sin of, of humanity. The cross was a, a deep symbol of shame that was reserved for the accursed Yet the Father did not leave him in the grave to decay. But he raised him up, breaking the, the curse of, of death. And then God highly exalted his Son. And he gave him the name that is above all names. The one who became the servant of all, was given the name that is above all. And this, this reversal is the, is the great paradox of the gospel. As Paul is, is bringing this, this passage to a close, he alludes to Isaiah 45, 23 by stating that every knee should bow and every tongue should confess, reinforcing Jesus' divine and 
and human natures. And so we wonder, what is this name? This name that is above all names, because we already know that he was called Jesus, but as God exalts him and lifts him up and gives him the name that is above every name, that name is now Lord. The song we sing, Jesus is Lord. We're recognizing what God has done as he has exalted and raised up his, his son. Jesus is now the, the master and, and, and owner of all life. The son Jesus became a man and is now worshipped as Lord. In the end, the aim or the, the goal of God is that all mankind will confess that Jesus is Lord. And in, in doing so, Jesus' mission comes full circle. As the confession brings glory to the Father. You know, this should, it should come as no surprise to us that through his humility and exaltation, Jesus does not exalt himself, but Jesus Christ our Lord brings glory to the Father. You see, it's in this passage that has been considered one of the greatest that, that Paul ever penned that we are shown the person, the nature, and the role of Jesus. Not only are we reminded that our minds should be the same as Jesus our Lord, but as followers of Christ, we must not look to our own selves, but to the needs of others. We must not seek our own glory, but the glory of the Father. The song that we sang just a few minutes ago, Forever, I, I said a little while ago that uh, I think that is one of the greatest songs for presenting the message of Jesus. There's a, a statement in that song that, that tells us of, of the victory that each and every person can have should they, they give their life to Jesus. As I said a minute ago, we know that we are all going to die, yes or no? None of us knows when that is, yes or no? All of us are on a clock, are we not? Every one of us. And that clock is always running. There are many people that are scared to death of death. They're afraid to die. For a whole host of reasons. Yet what Paul tells us is that because of Jesus, we no longer have to fear death. Because of that most important message that he reminded him of, or he reminded the church of, that Jesus was crucified, that he was buried, and that he was raised again, we no longer have to fear death because the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus undid the power of death that Satan held over all of humanity. And so Paul would write at the end of 1 Corinthians 15, and he begins to mock death. 
And he says that death has been swallowed up in victory. He says, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Because what he is saying is because of Jesus, death no longer holds any power over you. The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we no longer have to fear death. If our life has been given to Jesus, if we have made that confession that that Jesus is Lord, if we have participated in our own death, burial, and resurrection through the sacrament of baptism, then we have no longer to fear death. As I've said before, at that point, when our life is secure with Jesus, death becomes the coat room that we have to pass through in order to get to the party. That's all it is. And we know that what is there is better than what is here. And that hope comes, it comes because of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As Paul pins this Christ hymn, he opens it by saying, you should have the same mind. The same attitude as, as, as Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so what I want to do for the next minute is I want to lead us through a prayer. You know, you'll see it pop up on the screen, and I'll read the first part. And then I want you to read loudly. I want you to read boldly the words at the bottom of the screen. The words that are, that are emboldened as we think about having the same heart and the same mind and the same attitude of Christ Jesus. And so let's, let's pray together. Holy Father, you sent your Son who did not regard equality with you as something to be protected and exploited for himself. May we have the same mind. Jesus emptied himself. He humbled himself, taking on a human form and descended to our sinful world. He bore the divine image and was born in human likeness for our sake. Jesus, our Lord, was obedient all the way to the end of his life. Obedient to the extent that it led him to a cross where he bore all of the sins of humanity. Yet you exalted and you honored him high above anything or anyone. May all beings on heaven 
and on earth bend their knees at the mention of his name. With our tongues we confess the glory and the greatness of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and God our Father. Amen. When Paul pins those words, and he says, I want you to have the same mind as Christ Jesus our Lord. He said, I want you to remember what Jesus did. Jesus humbled himself. Jesus was obedient to the will of God. Jesus put others first. Jesus sought to go out of his way to take care and to meet the needs of others, even to the point that he laid down his life for someone else. And he's saying, as his followers, I want you to have that same heart and that same mind. See, when we humble ourselves, God then lifts us up. And he raises us up and he sets us apart for his kingdom. But that only happens because of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. We only experience new life because of Jesus. We only experience new creation because of, of, of Jesus. And without Jesus, if you don't have Jesus in your life, if you've never given your life to Him, then death is a very big deal. And so I would encourage you to have the same heart and the same mind of Jesus and be obedient to what God wants from you. And that's your heart. He wants you to confess Jesus Christ as your Lord. He wants you to participate in the death burial, and resurrection through baptism. You see, as we confess His name and as we go into that water, we are spiritually dead, but as we go into that water, it's like Jesus as He was laid into that tomb. We are laid into that tomb. And on Sunday, as Jesus was resurrected, as we come up out of that water, we too are resurrected to new life. We experience Jesus. If you've never given your life to Jesus, why not start today? Why not confess? Why not confess that Jesus is Lord? Because there is no other way. It is only through Jesus that we find life. So let your hearts and your minds be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Let's pray together.